Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso, And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, Elizabeth Warren's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad DNA test decision, practical magic, and our practical questions about it, Melania, her looks, and how a well-dressed monster is still a monster, plus Taylor and Kanye's role reversal. Coming at you live from Guerneville, California. Coming at you live from one giant bed where we are like sitting together and with Gina with three laptops and recording equipment and no one is even touching. That's this how big it bed is. is so lit. But you know what else is lit is Gina's pattern clashing right mm. now is epic. Iconic. Not even the socks. <laughs> Slow start. We have Slow so much start to talk today. about today. Woo, girl. Yeah. I mean, the first thing being we're about to go on tour. Yes, we're about to go on tour. Callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour. We have some really fun guests. Oh, my God. Um, Doma Olowu in Seattle, Alicia Garza in San Francisco, and many more who will be announced. So buy your tickets now, and we can't wait to see you. Yeah, and also, like, do us a favor. Text your besties who are in cities where we are coming on tour and give them the hot tip to show up because... We have set some ambitious ticket sales goals, and this family is going to have to pull together to meet them. <laughs> That's right. Mama's got shoes to buy, so callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour. Fabulous. Okay, like now on to, I mean, I, it's hard to say even like onto the news as if it's one monolith, onto the like dozens of like overlapping things that we need to talk about in the news. There's... I feel that this week has felt like kind of like a Chappelle skit. It's just like too much nonsense is happening. And every time Dave Chappelle, the president, just like runs off from the table. <laughs> but it's just all of it is just bad. Okay. I think we have to start with Elizabeth Warren. <sighs> that is 100% how I feel. Why? 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 You know why. What you are talking about is Elizabeth Warren releasing this kind of like, you know, for a political video, like bomb ass biographical video where she goes back to Oklahoma. People always forget she's from Oklahoma. Shout out Oklahoma, where she goes back to Oklahoma and she's like talking to all her family. A lot of them happen to be Republicans. And she basically like challenges the Trump like Pocahontas narrative about her. So if you haven't been paying attention the person that Donald Trump is always calling Pocahontas is Elizabeth Warren because Elizabeth Warren has claimed to be Cherokee Indian at various stages of her life. And it's the whole thing is very fascinating. But so anyway, in the video, she like talks to a genealogist. She's like done some like 23ME DNA test. So she is like, this is her coming out as like, you know, like stop lying on my family we are actually like Cherokee Indians. The whole thing is very, I like, I feel a lot of feelings about it because one, the timing is just like, are you kidding me? Like we have, we have a lot of work to do right now. Like, you know, 
Beto is trailing in Texas. Can we get him across the finish line? Um, can you know, like, there's just a lot going on. So the timing is weird, and it definitely feels like a running in 2020 type. Yeah, this is not a ploy. fall 2018 concern, right? <laughs> Which is one issue. But you know, at the heart of it, though, I do appreciate the boldness of coming hard at somebody who uh, who is beefing with you. It's very like rapper beef, but. I like the tactics here are like very problematic. Let's not even get into like the fact that like DNA kits <laughs> do not do not tell you anything about race. Like how did the DNA kit white retiree scam like enter into like a popular norm where like now we just accept that this is a somehow it reveals a truth about yourself. It's because people like conflate genealogy with like, you know, race things with um, finding out more about your own family. Um, you know, like, I understand why people use those things. Like, I've done 23andMe. I was, like, fascinated by it. It doesn't, but the results, like, do not uh, paint the picture that <laughs> you think that they paint. So, to, you know, to get a genealogy situation where they're, like, sometime long, 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 long ago, there was maybe a Cherokee Indian in your family is not what makes you native in this country. And it's actually like very offensive to all of the native tribes that have fight so hard for citizenship. Like it's it's such a slap in the face, especially in a week where, you know, there are actually like serious native issues that are in conversation, i.e. in North Dakota, the Supreme Court has basically stated that the only way to have like a valid voter identification document is if it is like corresponds if the address corresponds to your street address the problem with that is that people who live on reservations only have p.o boxes because that's what the usps gives them and so when i think about something like that that is like so outrageous to have somebody like come out and try to try to do like race warfare (laughs) on like based on a dna kit is really it's it's a hard pill to swallow. Well, and she has she has been Elizabeth Warren being the she here um spoken out about this voter ID and registration issue in North Dakota specifically, but I'm like why why couldn't you just stop there? I mean, really it's one of those things where when you look at her official bio like separate from Trump trying to make a thing of this. Like there are things like her being described as Harvard Law's quote first woman of color. Mm -hmm. There are things like her being listed as a Native American professor, like stuff like that where I'm like, okay, this really smacks of like not being able to acknowledge how your privilege is formed and like how you are like, you know, what is the cultural context you come from? Like, how have you really moved through the world for your whole life? And the answer is, like, that is not based on a percentage of your DNA, which is, like, exactly what you were saying. And it's, like, there is a way to kind of acknowledge that you feel connected to, you know, maybe the Cherokee community, for example, by, like, making those issues of importance to your campaign. And you can do that without being, like, hello, this is, like, a primary identity marker for me. Yeah, you know, and it's so interesting, too, because um, I'm glad that you brought up privilege because, you know, as we know on this podcast, race is a construct. (laughs) I'm glad you brought up privilege, (laughs) subtitle of this podcast. Um, You know, race is a construct. Yep. And so people, because let's be honest, like Elizabeth Warren is not the only person who does this, who, who has done this. It is actually very common in, I would say, like for most Americans to claim some sort of like, 
far back Indian heritage. Like a lot of black people do it. A lot of white people do it. It is like a thing that happens. But when you have that like on the backdrop of literally not acknowledging the rights and the humanity of Native people on the day-to-day, the optics are not great. And also when you when you do that, it really invalidates like people whose like lived identity is that. And it's, so it's fascinating to watch this whole Elizabeth Warren v. Trump when nobody is actually listening to what the Native people have to say. Yeah. And I think that part of what's so frustrating about this decision is it does not seem to be rooted in dialogue with people of the identity that she is claiming. Like it's not, it seems like it is this it's dialogue with Trump. Exactly. It is like dialogue with the exact person who like, you do not need to be in dialogue with about this issue. I know. You know, the other thing too, that makes me really upset is that um, it just like brings back all the feelings of um, Obama, like releasing his birth certificate, Totally. which I understand why they do it. My eyes are wide open to how they get backed into a corner But generally, as a tactic for people from the left, I hate it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I hate it. Stop showing your receipts of where you're from and how you were formed. These people already don't believe you. That's not the point. The point is not that Donald Trump thinks that Elizabeth Warren is lying about her identity. The point is that he knows that saying something racially insensitive scores him points with his base. Right. And therefore, like the idea that you're like trying to counteract that with a document just doesn't work. I mean, like Trump's base, they know Obama is a black man, right? Like they see him and identify him as a black man. Like that is what is at issue. It is not a, it is not a paperwork question. Like it is it is, in fact, the exact opposite of, say, Trump not producing his tax returns. Right. Which is like yes. that is a paperwork question. That is not an identity question. But, you know, like, generally, I am super interested in how, like, family lore is told like that. Yes, completely. You know, and how these these stories exist because, like, people pass them down. People have, like, imaginations of what their families used to be. DNA tests are huge right now. I was reading this thing in the Times where I think it's something crazy, like 60% of European like looking people are all in a DNA are like findable in a DNA database. Wow. You know, they recently caught the Golden State Killer via DNA database. So this is all very exciting. Maybe they'll catch the Zodiac Killer next, Ted Cruz's dad. Um, and then we'll find out. Not not while he's like still running. <laughs> Um, this stuff is fascinating, but it is also like really, it is like really wild to watch our technology try to catch up to the stories that our families, like, like the stories that we tell each other and watch how, um, it turns out that everything is more complicated. Yeah. I mean, and also the way it really highlights that, um, specifically, I think a lot of white American family lore is about, highlighting hardship in it like hardship of like a certain um you know previous generations way i wouldn't say it's about highlighting trauma because every family loves to bury that but i would say that like certain types of um stories about like oh you know this is how we came you know worked so hard to acquire this property (laughs) this is like this is the struggle we faced on like you know right you need a good story to tell about to like justify like how you ended up on this rock exactly and like i think that when it comes to particularly like 
you know, white people in America, not all, not all, you know, whatever, like that is like a really broad term, but like a lot of white families have stories about like overcoming hardship as justification for like essentially how much power and privilege and wealth they have today, even though we have enjoyed literally every privilege of American society, like on a policy level, on a wealth level, we still have this tiny aspect of our biography that means we worked for it. And so therefore it is like narratively important to like white family narratives. I mean, it's also like a great distancing tool, right? Totally. It's like if you can dredge up any kind of like claim to the actual native land, you also, what you're doing is distancing yourself from the white supremacy. Exactly. Fucked up the native land. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, and also this idea that like, look, no one is like deciding what kind of access and privilege you have based on like what percentage of your blood is X, Y, Z. Like that's how we know that race is, you know, a social, cultural, like, you know, it is defined Race by is people. a scam. Yes. It's a big scam. I mean, the maybe the ultimate scam, a top scam. Top scam. <laughs> Definitely top three scams. Right. <laughs> and so, I, I, yeah, and it's really, I think what is just so difficult is like, I've also been thinking about this story in the context of that piece Rebecca Traster wrote last year about like Elizabeth Warren in the public narrative being Hillaried in the sense of, her being painted as more conservative than she really is. And it's like, I stories like this really make me question that. Like when I think about a lot of my least favorite things about Hillary, it has to do with not being nuanced on, you know, on issues that I think are like of great importance and not trusting the public to grapple with nuance. And this story re- it feels like very evocative of some of my most disappointing moments with Hillary when I like consume these news articles about Elizabeth Warren and her DNA. I mean, to be fair, um, or not to be fair, I guess to, <laughs> <laughs> to be real, to be real, <laughs> part of the problem of all of American politics is that our electeds like treat us like we're fucking idiots every single time, you know? So the fact that like this is where the circus is at right now, people are literally doing DNA testing <laughs> and releasing results is that says so much more about where American like polarized politics are at than it says about individual candidates. And it is so beneath like all of the people who participate in it. Yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're participating, you are signaling that it's not beneath you. And that is what's disappointing to me. Like, like you still have a choice and you still have agency. I don't know what kind of consultants like she's paying that were like, this is a great idea. But like, wow, build a new tent. Like, don't climb into the ring with these clowns. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Okay, do you want to talk about something, like, even more polarizing than politics? I mean, 
I'm talking about the cult movie Practical Magic. I was, I was actually considering your question seriously. I was like, do I? Do I want to just agree with you about something? Um, okay, tell me what. Well, listen, you and I, we we were stoned and we watched Practical Magic, and I am happy to report that we did not finish it because that is how terrible it was. I am a completist. I will watch anything. The fact that I couldn't finish this movie is like I'm shaking currently. To be fair, we also didn't finish Jumanji starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I know, but we were tired. <laughs> <laughs> Jumanji is an excellent movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Practical Magic, I would say this, is like, it is this kind of like, there's a formula for cult classic, like a specific type of cult classic, which is take a couple of white women who haven't like, completely uh blown themselves up in the public eye like i mean they were like so nicole kidman and uh sandy b sandy b were like kind of new babies like like nicole kidman would never play this role anymore exactly so i think that's part of it they have to be people who have like continued on a greater career trajectory like within hollywood and haven't done something super horrific problematic and haven't like you know fallen off the face of the earth so like they did this kind of like kitschy like thing 30 years in the past um you have to add witches uh or like some kind of like seasonal twist because i think a lot of holiday (laughs) movies like benefit from this and then basically like you know put it in the closet like you know with your kombucha or whatever and let it age for 30 years i know but this movie was like when it came out was like very terribly reviewed yeah that's so that's how you get cult (laughs) that is how you get cult but what I, I guess, like, what I'm saying is that I, the, the scam of this movie <laughs> <laughs> that people are remembering fondly as some sort of, like, feminist, like, witch situation. Because they kill an abusive boyfriend. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, if you're casting love spells, like, feminism canceled. Like, that's not how that works. Um, if right. you're, Hello, if, consent. Right. If you're casting, like, a heterosexual feminist, like, if you're, if you were casting... What is the what if you're casting heterosexual love spells scam on um that's what's going on here so i like i'm so fr- i'm just really frustrated by and i'm sure like this happens to all of us you know like when you watch something later as an adult that people watch when they were kids and there is so much nostalgia and fondness to it um yeah, we've and, talked about this before. It's why I've like, never seen Goonies. Um, Goonies never die. Uh, <laughs> like, just, there is just something, it, you know, like, I watch Princess Bride for the first time as, like, a fully formed mm, ador- yeah, adult. Yeah, you can't do that. I have a I have another thought about about practical magic, which is just like it's so confusing. Like like we there's this scene where Sandra Bullock is like fully asleep, like in bed. You know, it's kind of like day, night, seasons. None of that really exists it's in practical season. magic. It's spooky season at all times. Spooky in season, practical but you magic. never need more than one yummy sweater. Like it's ne- <laughs> it's never that cold. It's never that hot. And she's dead asleep in bed. And then Nicole Kidman comes and wakes her up and is like, like, you know, from a cold sleep, presumably in the evening, and is like, it's margarita time. And she leaps out of bed and like runs downstairs. And then like with their aunts, they're like singing Lime in the Coconut and making margaritas. I'm like, if my sister woke me up in the middle of the night and was like, it's margarita time, I would not be going downstairs in a drafty farmhouse, like at like, you know, cozy season to make margaritas. Who 
are these people? Witches, and They're <laughs> witches. <laughs> You're not paying attention. They're witches. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie doesn't make sense. Remember how Sandy B goes from being like this like homely, like baby witch into a babe like the minute that she spots the the dude that she ends up marrying the whole movie is about men they want to marry i know the whole thing is yeah the whole thing makes no sense anyway um happy 20th birthday to practical magic you know i will say this though sandy b national treasure i mean this is kind of what i mean about the like let things rest for 30 years and then they're cult classics i mean you know what else doesn't hold up the craft (laughs) <laughs> I don't even think the craft held up then. <laughs> okay, but like but it definitely didn't, but that's the kind of thing where like, yeah. you know, it is a staple of I would say the like cult classic outdoor movie screening season now. And it's it is unwatchable. I mean, like I I guess I know racism. Yes. It, mm, a lot of problems. Um so I don't know. Like just cuz there's witches in it and it was made 30 years ago does not mean it is a classic. And even though we've canceled Bette Midler, I would say that Hocus Pocus is an appealing and alternative in the retro witch category. We need to discuss Bette Midler. Nobody has canceled Bette Midler. Bette Midler canceled herself. Right. Thank you. So, let's be precise. Let's explain to people what happened. Bette Midler, prolific tweeter, Bette Midler and patron saint of spooky season. <laughs> on the first week of spooky season aka the first week of october decided that it would be a great time to tweet out yoko ono's favorite quote women are the n word of the world this this quote is like amazing actually i'm gonna rant about this for like so many minutes first of all Yoko Ono was wrong when she said it then and i cannot believe that like people did not understand how fucked up it was that she said that but most importantly the yoko ono like bastardization of that quote is actually from zora uh neil hurston uh which uh, basically saying that like uh the woman is the mule of the world so when women who are not black go from like mule to calling people literal niggers I have, I'm like, where, where is this leap of imagination coming from? Like, the racism jumped out. And so, it, like, yeah, it was not okay in the 19 rah when Yoko Ono did it. It is certainly not okay when Bette Midler did it at the height of spooky season, meaning that none of us are going to enjoy Hocus Pocus this year because... <laughs> she ruined it. She, <laughs> she ruined, ruined it, it for all she of She ruined us. it. Ruined. It's ruined. But it was, like, amazing to watch her on Twitter, like, double down, and then the publicist, like, literally take the keys Walk of the car. Back, yeah. And be like, ma'am, it's spooky season. This is your moment to shine. I still maintain that Hocus Pocus, as a standalone piece of art, holds up. <laughs> standalone piece of art (laughs) i'm sorry it is a standalone piece of art we're going on a break
Okay, this is a great transition from spooky season to even spookier season. Talk to me. Melania's hats. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have long maintained that one of the worst things about this presidency for me personally, for me, not for the country, but for me, I mean, not too so, is that we can't discuss most of Melania and Ivanka's outfits because, you know, like it feels trivial when they're literally putting children in cages. But Melania really outdid herself on this Africa trip. She is straight up doing colonizer cosplay. Melania's Halloween costume is definitely ghost of colonialism. Yeah, no, it's like Tintin goes to Congo. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she was doing. She, like, those shots of her in Egypt in the full, like, Tintin with the pit helmet, like, that, like, like, R.I.P. I mean, not too so. Like, I cannot handle I mean, speaking of things so firmly in your van, you've got to build a house there. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the best thing, too, is that, like, she's clearly having, you know, anytime she's not with her husband, she's always having a blast. It's like, take her to, like, a funeral. She's laughing with everybody. <laughs> Send her to Africa. Put her on a Jeep. I yeah. know. Put her on a Jeep. Did you see when the elephant, like, almost knocked her out? <laughs> like, that was amazing. But <laughs> she, like, she just comes alive. But the thing about Melania, you know, like, the scam of Melania is that everybody wants, there's this like public narrative, the like free Melania hashtag, right? Where she's like supposedly doing resistance from the inside, you know, and she's like, a, you know, like we need to save her. Yo, Melania is in deep with these people that she took like the entire trip as an opportunity to like remind the media to pay attention to her good works and not her outfits. If you didn't wear costumes, we (laughs) would actually pay attention to what you were doing. And she gave this like bananas interview where one, she said that she's like the most bullied person on the face of the planet. I like lulled. I was like, you're married to the biggest bully in America, but also like, totally defended her um i don't care do you like zara i don't really care i don't really care do Do you you, (laughs) zara jacket that she wore she was on her way to visit the detention centers for minors on the border yeah children that her husband had put in fact in cages and speaking of like our politics being bananas again and the game just being disgusting this is part of it i was like you are a person in in public life, you are the first lady of the United States. You can't be sending messages on your jacket. Like, what is wrong with you? But here's what I love. Here's what I love about the the fact that that interview about the jacket came in such quick succession to her, like, being on this, like, media tour is, like, supposedly the message of the jacket and, like, the people she doesn't care about are... The media. <laughs> and then she's like, hi, I'm on tour. Like, like, pay attention to me. And it's like, you don't get it all ways. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, don't look at me. Look at me. Like, I can't even handle. I know. And during that interview, she said some more banana stuff about how she, like, stands by all of her husband's policies. She um, says that the women who accuse people in the Me Too movement have to come with a lot of proof. Um, just, like, everything to the Trump line. It's like, this woman is a Trump through and through and through again. We don't need to free her. We don't need to save her. I wish we could discuss her outfits more. But, like, truly, this is bonkers. 
Okay, so while we are living in this place momentarily of outfits you wish you could discuss, like other than the jacket, which is like, like we basically like discuss her looks when they have a deeper meaning for like the terrible policies that she is one of the faces of. But Listen, she's had some bomb outfits. Okay, but this is what I'm saying. I'm like, I want to I wanna just make sure you get a chance. Like, because what if we never return to this moment to shout out a favorite or a Melania look that you would steal? Oh my God, her um, Jackie Kennedy Ducks inauguration blue agree so good agree that's what it that was, was so good answer. i was so sad couldn't talk about it it's been two years now that outfit was amazing i mean the gloves yeah and also it's basically here is i mean i'm like it's a jacket it's a t-neck it's a wrap all in uh, one like all of my favorite items hold on i'm gonna tell you another one i hate that we're doing this but also it feels kind of cathartic <laughs> I'm glad that we can finally say the truth. Um, you know, like her pantsuit game is also like untouchable. Um, she she does it like really, really, really well. And she also wore this like floral number that I was really, really into. And remember when they went to the Vatican and she like dressed like a widow, dress for the job you want. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but that's part of the free Melania meme. Like, that is not the job. Like, she is, I know. I'm just saying that, like, she has a lot of drama. She also, I think it was at the convention, maybe, she wore this, like, pink situation. All I'm saying is the woman does color very well. If she had been married to a different kind of monster, we would have like a the cut, like her best outfits mm-hmm. every day, look into them. Right. We've all just agreed that this is a thing we don't do. Right. We yeah. just like we can't we can't do this. Um, even Hope Hicks had some bomb outfits. Remember that tuxedo that she wore to that Japan State dinner? Yes. I literally gasped. Do you remember Ivanka's mint green Sandro suit? Oh, that she wore for Kim? Yes. <laughs> that she basically selected for Kim, but also good moves. I know. It was great but you know what they're all monsters they're all monsters sorry a monster in a mint green sandro suit is still a monster i know a monster that dresses well still a monster but um well played Mm. (laughs) emphasis on the played Mm -hmm. okay i don't want to open like the entire like kanye conversation but i do feel like this week has been notable like for it's basically been notable for like celebrities who like don't read enough trying to intervene in politics. Who Kanye famous for saying that he does not read books. You know, it's been a real topsy turvy week where all Kanye is doing is taking L's. He's literally in Uganda signing Yeezys for um a dictator. He is went to the White House hanging out with another dictator. Just doing nonsense. Meanwhile, his sworn nemesis, American poet Taylor Swift, is out here registering voters. <laughs> I mean, uh... listen, I'm just saying, give credit where credit is due. I think that like becoming politically awake, no matter when you do it, is good. She has a ginormous platform. She finally used it to do something good. Um, so you're like of the better late than never school. I mean, I still roll my eyes, but sure. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I was like, we need, you know, like we need celebrities with ginormous platforms to do get out the vote efforts. I don't need them commenting on anything else, but I was like, they should be registering people to vote. That would be nice. 
but also you know like she took like a she took an issue that's like local to her some like tennessee politics she made like some pointed she had some good advice on this i yeah. have to say the way the way that it was like specific candidates specific issue mm-hmm. a place she had a specific connection to she waited until her tour was done so <laughs> so so that her american listeners who are republicans don't have to get mad i was like the whole thing was well played or they could get mad but she wouldn't suffer any financial repercussions exactly. from them getting mad mm-hmm. well you know the thing is that like so many people have said that taylor is not politically involved at all which always fascinates me because a lot of celebrities are not engaged at all but this like particular fascination with her is you know like i'm pretty sure we could speculate why 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 Mm -hmm. um but you know i was happy to see her step up when something actually mattered to her and make it personal and explain it i'm you know like i've divested from all these people kanye taylor kim i don't participate anymore every once in a while i do drive-bys just to see how everybody is still living (laughs) all i'm saying is i'll give credit where credit is due or like when they make major headlines like throughout a week you're like okay like let's check into this i know but like kanye was doing too much i saw footage of him standing on a table at the apple store then he was at the white house and trump had like cleared his whole desk like kanye was gonna rob him there was nothing on the desk (laughs) it was amazing and I'm not convinced that the desk isn't always just blank. Like he doesn't actually work. So like, and he doesn't read. So why would you need anything he does on not your desk? Work. Maybe that's just the way it is all the time. He does not work or read. You know, I'm just saying that like as a student of reality TV, it's all too much for me. Right I, understand. Now. I understand. It's just like a lot is happening. Yeah. And I guess like my point of, I mean, we've talked about like warranted celebrity skepticism before, which is true even when like, I think it applies from the late breaking you know, newly politically active, one specific Instagram post all the way to like, you know, actors getting labeled in like woke bay memes, which like, oh my God, like just stop forever and ever, which is to say that like, okay, on a certain level, you have a bunch of power, you have like cultural capital and you have like a bunch of followers and it is warranted to try to use that tour like for good and not for evil. On the other hand, these people are celebrities. Like, like have a little yeah, bit of don't understanding. Trust them. Yes, exactly. Don't trust them. They don't read books. They don't know anything. They're all pals at the end of the day. Like the powerful people, they truly do not care because they don't suffer any kind of consequences. But also, you know, it's really easy in this moment for powerful people not to participate. Like, 100%. I, it was really fascinating to watch, like, Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen, Teigen I, I was just about to Chrissy say. Did Teigen. you see the news? Yes, yeah. that is how you say her name. Makes sense. Um, E-I. I, listen, <laughs> Chrissy Teigen, who routinely goes after people on the internet, to be fair, people who, like, come after her. So it's and all her in family. The, in yeah. The, in the, the symbiosis of, like, bad social media. And is somebody who is like a resistance figurehead on that, you know, the comedy side and being asked about her friends, Kim and Kanye this week and crickets, you know, um, Jiminy crickets for (laughs) real. So I believe she said that people are entitled to their opinions. And I was like, this is really fascinating. It's like, this is the place, you know, and to be fair, I don't think that you should like slag your friends in public if you're a celebrity, like truly your relationships are your relationships. Like we don't know. But it is all it does for me is make me re-examine like the ways that I posture publicly and how I act in private. And if those two things like do not line up, you have a big problem. Right. Which is a question that everybody who has any kind of 
presence on a digital platform has to think about. Like it is not only celebrities who have to reconcile a like, what are you saying publicly and what are you doing privately kind of question. Yeah, you know, the other thing too is that like we actually have serious problems so nobody has time for like dumb celebrity shit. And so the thing is, if you're going to take up oxygen in the room, you might as well do some like good with your platform. Well, and that's where I get really cynical, which is to say, because of exactly what you just said, we all have real problems. So no one has any time for celebrity shit is like, hmm, that's why we see celebrities like not all, but like certain celebrities entering politics, because it's like that's where the momentum and the attention is. And so like recognizing that they also see a benefit from. Absolutely. It's like why celebrities entered into activism to start with. And then I am convinced that one day only famous people will run for office. Oh, like these 100%. are the choices that we'll have. Can't wait for my president, Nori Kardashian. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, oh. Okay. <laughs> we actually have to go, but I'm going to give you one last thing to Google. Look up Melania's white hat that she wore um, when she was with uh, Brigitte Macron. That outfit is one of my favorite Melania outfits. Also, speaking of metaphors, like white hat, like we watch Scandal. <laughs> like I am like, it is a very, it's a it handles. is a statement. It is a statement. <laughs> it's handles. Oh, all these scammers. Jesus. All right. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcast, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. See you, see see you in the hot tub. <laughs> see, see you next to me in this giant bed.